Well, uh, so I start each Sunday with really bad jokes, I guess, because somebody gave me a book to help me out. It's like, hey, you need a Bible of jokes. So I'm going to go ahead and read a couple of those from this, this Bible of jokes here. Why couldn't the bicycle stand up by itself? It was too tired. It's like I said. <laughs> I admit I was wrong about how good my chiropractor is. I stand corrected. That's good? All right, I'm going to go one more. You guys ready for one more? At work, we have a printer. We've named it Bob Marley. It's always jamming. <laughs> I like that one. That's good. All right. You know your jokes are really good when people are like, hey, here's a joke book. You might, might want to read it. Well, today we're going to be talking about a glimpse of hope. We're at the very end of the book of Jeremiah. We are closing out Jeremiah, which is so amazing. It's going to be really good. Talking about a glimpse of hope. Have you found yourself asking or saying, I hope things get back to normal? Have you said that in the last year? Anybody else? I just, I hope things get back to normal. I can't tell you how many times I've had this uh, conversation with the Lord over the last couple of years, over the last year and a half. Really seems like every single week I was Googling new research. When are things going to get back to normal? Excited about like people saying that they are going to get back to normal. The following week, nothing's changed. Zero changes and... It seemed like there was no chance of being back to normal. What is normal, anyways? <laughs> when you're me, you ask that question a lot. <laughs> so over the past year, I've spent a lot of time in, on having hope in research, hope in a new plan, hope in a new approach, hope in a new person, hope in new science. And most of the time felt really disappointed. It all seemed a little, a little hopeless. The work my family had done for the last year, for, for five years when we started this church, and we partnered with Christ to build up the church, it really felt like it went out the window last year. A lot of the work we did. We had plans to move to the YMCA, and we did on March 15th, 2020. That was the day that the pandemic hit. And so we moved everything out of our existing space on that day over to the Y. And the reason was is because our three services were getting really full and we wanted to make more space for kids. And so the plan was to go over to the Y. We take everything out and then they shut down the entire nation. So all of our stuff is at the YMCA. We can't touch it. We can't go in there and grab our stuff again. They're closed down. The Y's closed down. And so I found myself like, God, what are you doing? Where's the hope in this? You're constantly like waking up in the morning and I'd ask my wife because she's a director of nursing at a, a f facility. And so she has like all the insight. So every single morning, like, Amy, is there anything new that Kim Reynolds said? And she's 
Like, yeah, there seems like this is going to be happening on Tuesday, and then you wait till Tuesday and nothing happens. It just felt that way the entire year. Because I had to really discover, like, where is my hope? What am I putting hope in right now? Am I putting it in Jesus? Am I putting it in research? What am I putting it in? And so today we're going to talk about having a glimpse of hope in all situations of life. We can always have a glimpse. It's a really little glimpse. The idea is to find it. Where's the glimpse of hope? So we're going to be closing out Jeremiah today, the end of the book. You guys have completed the book of Jeremiah. Go ahead and give yourself a round of applause. The longest book in the Bible, even if you're here today for the first time, great, you've done this, you're completing it with us. We started off this year, the longest book in the Bible, and I'm just going to paint a little picture of what Jeremiah looks like, this book. Jeremiah is called to be a prophet. God calls him to be a prophet, called him out of his work of a priest, and called him into a prophet. A prophet is someone who would share the word of God with people, and normally to a certain people group. And so Jeremiah's message was to the Israelites, the people that knew God. And so God called Jeremiah to speak a word of God to people that are God's people. (laughs) This isn't like Jonah, where he's got to go to Nineveh to a group of people that don't know God. These are God's people. They know God. God's rescued them time and time again. Jeremiah's message was really simple. Turn away from your evil ways And stop worshiping other gods. Otherwise, disaster is going to hit our land. That's his message over and over. You read the book, which we did. (laughs) And it's time and time again. Just turn away from your evil ways. Otherwise, disaster is coming, guys. He tried different ways to get the message across. He showed them pictures. (laughs) He he, uh, showed them parables, he told stories, he shouted from the streets, he answered their questions, he prayed for them. So his heart was never like to leave them and just tell them the word of God, but he would actually invite them in and pray with them. He exhausted all options. Have you guys ever been there before with someone in your life where it feels like, man, I've just exhausted everything, I've tried it all, I've met with them for coffee, I've Facebook messaged them 15 times. I found out that if you Facebook message somebody more than three times and they haven't responded, you might want to quit. <laughs> okay, so just a word of knowledge. Uh, so, but you love them, you forgave them, you, you've done it all. This is really Jeremiah's life, guys. Just constantly pouring himself out to people and just zero return. Nobody turned to God at all. And so you read this, the longest book in the Bible is about a guy telling people they need God and they don't return. That's the longest book in the Bible? You ever thought about that? Doesn't it seem a little hopeless? So Jeremiah's been telling them what's going to happen. The Babylonians are going to come. They're going to destroy your land. And it finally does happen. They do come. And they take all the Israelites and they put them into captivity, the entire town. Not only that, but they took everything that was in the temple, the gold, the silver, the bronze, the brass. They took all that and then they created, they burned it and then created statues for their gods and pillars for their gods. 
That's what the Babylonians did. And they just completely destroyed the land. If you looked at the land, it was a complete destruction with fire everywhere. This is what was left of their land. And they're in captivity. They're taken into prison. And this is how the book ends. <laughs> Pretty lame, huh? So we're going to pick it up right at the very end of the book. You guys excited about this now? <laughs> We're going to pick it up at 52, chapter 52, verses 31. At the very end of the book, we have this one little story. It's just this little paragraph of one guy, okay? In the 37th year of exile, Jehoiakim, king of Judah, in the year of Ewod Merodach, became king of Babylon on the 25th day of the 12th month, he released Jehoiakim, king of Judah, and freed him from prison. So everybody else is in exile. They're all in Babylon. They're under Babylonian prisons. But this one guy, Jehoiakim, who is part of the tribe of Judah, is actually being released by this guy whose his literal name, Awel, it, it actually means evil. <laughs> so this, this king that's the king of Babylon is like known for very evil, but he just has favor on this one guy, Jehoiakim. Everyone else is still in prison, except for Jehoiakim. He spoke kindly to him and gave him a seat of honor higher than those of the other kings who were with him in Babylon. So Jehoiakim put aside his prison clothes for the rest of his life and ate regularly at the king's table. Day by day, the king of Babylon gave Jehoiakim a regular allowance as long as he lived till the day of his death. End of the book. End of the story. So we had all that happen. Land's devastated. Everyone's in prison. We have this one guy, Jehoiakim. He's released. He gets to put aside his prison clothes, and he gets to put on priestly clothes, and he gets to eat at the table of the kings. Not a whole lot of hope there. But it's a glimpse, a little fraction. It's not the end of the story. It doesn't feel very complete at all. The book of Jeremiah suddenly does not make sense. If you're like, oh, yeah, oh, I get it. Jehoiakim, yeah, he sits at the table now. So it makes sense. They finally listen to Jeremiah. No, no, just Jehoiakim has a seat at the table. He gets to wear nice clothes, finally. Cool. He gets an allowance. But the book ends with a little glimpse of hope. Jehoiakim's released. He gets to sit with the Babylonians for dinner. It's not a huge breakthrough. Everything is not back to normal. Everything is not back to normal. Normal for them was to live in the land of milk and honey and to be in the temple of God, to be God's people. Normal was not to be in prison. It's not back to normal. They still haven't listened to Jeremiah's words. They still lost everything. But we have a little glimpse of hope, and his name is Jehoiakim. So Jehoiakim, if you dive into this pretty deep, Jehoiakim actually means Yahweh will uphold. 
That's what his name means, is that Yahweh will hold. There's only one God by the name of Yahweh, and that's our God. Other gods have like a little G, but Yahweh is the God of God, the King of Kings. And so Jehoiakim means that the King of Kings will uphold. Jehoiakim is also known in the book of Jeremiah and in 1 Chronicles as Jeconiah. They're the same guy. A lot of times they refer to him in different, different names, but it's the same as that guy, Jeconiah. Jeconiah means Yahweh will be steadfast. God will be steadfast. He's consistent. He's faithful. He'll be steadfast. It also means konia, which is the strength of God. So Jeconiah means God will be steadfast and he will be our strength. Jeconiah. So the, the end of Jeremiah ends with this Jehoiakim, also known as Jeconiah. Yahweh will uphold. God will be steadfast. And he will be your strength. And then we have the end of the book. The problem with this is the more you dive into this is Jeconiah was a really evil person. Darn it. There's a little bit of hope in people for a second there. He was actually living under a curse because of how evil he was. He was childless. God told him that he will not prosper and his offspring will never prosper. That he won't prosper and none of his offspring. So there goes all our hope out the window. That's a tough curse. So once we had a little bit of hope and we have Jeconiah, God will uphold, they'll be steadfast. We could put it in this person's legacy. Well, maybe something happens after that. It gets stripped away. The really cool part about this is if you dive in even deeper with Jeconiah, is he repents. And God lifts the curse off of his life. So the curse is completely gone. And repent, what that means is like he was going in this way. He was really evil. He has this curse. And out of sadness for his life is what the Bible says. Out of the sadness of his life that he actually turns back to God. That's what repent means and says, God, I give you my life again. Man, I've made a mess of it. I'm doing these evil things. And he repents. And so God lifts the curse off of his life. He can prosper, and then his children can prosper. So now we get some hope again. Let's turn to Matthew 1.12. Matthew 1.12. Very beginning of the New Testament. We're out of the Old Testament, stepping into the New. Look at Matthew 1.12. After the exile of Babylon, Jeconiah was the father of Sheotel. Sheotel, the father of Zerubbabel. And it goes through all this lineage. This is the lineage of Jesus. This is the, the family history, the family bloodline from David to Jesus. And there's our guy, Jeconiah. There he is. 
what seemed very, very hopeless at the end of Jeremiah turns into the hope of the world. That God completely repurposes Jeconiah's life to be in the bloodline of Jesus Christ. To be born in a manger, that baby of hope, was part of Jeconiah's lineage. He's part of this story. Jeremiah didn't know the end of the story. He didn't know that Jeconiah to Joseph, from Mary to Jesus, he didn't know this. But he felt it important to leave us with this little glimpse of Jehoiakim, otherwise known as Jeconiah, and tell us his story of he got to sit at the table. There's a little bit of hope there. I think this is really important for us today. It's a glimpse of hope. It's there, and sometimes you got to wait for it. And sometimes, just like this passage, we could just read it and just go on with our day. Or sometimes you got to really dig into things to find the glimpse of hope, don't you? It might not be sitting on the surface really easy to grab. Sometimes the Lord invites us to really dive in deep. Have you guys ever experienced that? So in your marriage today, you might not see full restoration this morning, completely like in this moment, but there's a glimpse of hope for your marriage. There's a glimpse of hope in your jobs, in the businesses. I know a lot of businesses have really suffered over the last couple years. There's a glimpse of hope in your business today. You might not see it, it might not be sitting on the surface, but there's a glimpse The thing is, is to start looking for the glimpse of hope in your kids. God wants to give you a glimpse of hope today for your kids. That even when Jeconiah churned completely from God and he's known notoriously as an evil man, that God repurposed his life to be the bloodline of Jesus Christ. There's never a hopeless situation for your kids. God is the hope, Jesus is the hope, and he will always be there. In your health, sometimes it feels hopeless. God wants to be your glimpse of hope this morning. Just a piece, just that one bite. I was so discouraged last year, so discouraged. And then I reached out to Dan Bush, who owns Armor Gardens. All of our stuff's at the Y, like I said. I can't, we can't touch it. We can't meet there. They have all these restrictions. The entire five years of investing in this church is like, I have a really, really strong conviction for Hebrews 10, 24, and 25. We didn't start reading that at the beginning of 2020. We started the church with, and let us consider how we may spur one another on towards love and good deeds and not give up meeting together as some are in the habit of doing. I had no idea that that was gonna be like such a powerful verse. We've been doing that for the last five years. And so it was killing me not to be able to see you guys on a Sunday morning and be with you and encourage you. 
So I'm like, my hope was so little. Like, we, I guess we just don't get to meet together. I guess we're doing these little set up a phone and talk to that, you know, like whatever. And I reached out to Dan at Armor Gardens and said, hey, man, would you mind if we use your patio uh, and hold services out there? And he said, yeah, we'd love to have you. Like, here's the keys, you know? That was just like that little glimpse of hope. I really needed it. I needed to know someone else was in our corner. And sometimes you're that little glimpse of hope for people. So we met at Armor Gardens, and then it was amazing, guys. I kid you not. It was so cool because it was beautiful. Do you remember this? So it was, it was a beautiful day, and the pelicans are flying over. And I was like, wow, the Holy Spirit's gotten way bigger. It used to be a dove, and now it's a pelican. <laughs> the pelicans are flying over. Just a beautiful, sunny day. Not a whole lot of trains going by. <laughs> you can kind of hear what's happening. Yeah, media showed up. It was, it was good. The following Sunday was, was the Draco. The Draco that, that blew through. And there's huge thunderstorms everywhere. <laughs> hey, Dan, can we meet in your patio? Uh, it's going to be thunderstorming. <laughs> so that's not going to work out. And so we got a hold of the stardust. And it was just like one piece of the time that the lady at the stardust really worked with us. She opened up the doors to us, was just so grateful to have somebody there because it's an event center. Like, who else is running things? You can't do it right now. So that was really cool. And then we got to the Y. Finally made it to the Y, and they're moving down the street. So it just really didn't seem right for us to go with them. And I drove by, and I'm on 4th Street, and I saw a sign on this, this building right here. I've always dreamed of this space. This space is amazing. I mean, we literally walked into a space that's set up for us that already had all this stuff. It's an event center. And so I saw the sign on the, on the window, and it's like, that'd be really awesome, but it's going to be really expensive. And so they worked with us a bit, and we realized, like, oh, wow, we could really grow a children's ministry here. We could grow a lot of things. It's got a lot of room. But I'm just here to tell you that it's just like it's one glimpse at a time. You know, sometimes God's not going to give you the whole picture and then go. And a lot of times we sit around and we wait. And there's a lot of me that just wanted to sit there and, like, nothing's working out according to plan. Right? But God gives you one glimpse at a time. He ends the book with Jehoiakim and just gives us this little glimpse. And here's the thing I want you to leave with. is The reason he's doing that is because he wants you to connect with him. You know, if he gives you the whole picture, you're probably not going to rely on him that much. But when he gives you one piece at a time, you keep going to him. God, where are you leading me now? He doesn't give you the whole picture. He's just giving you one glimpse at a time. My encouragement for us this morning, and here's what I'd love for you to take away, is you gotta look for the glimpses. You gotta look for those glimpses. It's like a flash. It's a shimmer. Oh, okay. God, is this what you're doing? Yeah, okay, I get it. 
oh, you're meeting me right here. Got to look for the glimpses. If you spend so much time focused on the, the disaster or whatever it may be, you miss what God has for you. And so this morning, I just want to invite you, just like the end of our book, as we close it, look for the glimpses. Look for those little pieces. Oh, God, you are steadfast. Man, I see it. God, you, you do uphold. You are true to your promises. I may not be experiencing it right now. I may not see it all right now. And I may not even feel it. But I'm going to choose to look for the glimpse of hope. Look for the glimpses. And so my prayer that I want to do over all of us is I want the Lord to just restore your vision to look for glimpses of hope. That he would give you very clear vision. It doesn't mean like the rest of your life is planned out and he shows you a picture of it, but when you're supposed to see a glimpse of hope, that it will be there, that it will be clear, that over your mind, anything that's trying to like keep that away, that it'd be gone in Jesus' name. And that you would start to see glimpses of hope and then having the faith to step out in them. That's what I love to just equip all of us with and I'd love to be equipped with it also. So would you guys just pray with me? Let's just pray for that. So Lord, even as we end this book, thank you so much for for Jeremiah's life, that we can just dive into it and we can see just like (laughs) there's always hope, even in hopeless situations, there's always hope. And so, Lord, I just pray that over all of us here and over myself, God, that instead of focusing on the problem, would you start to retrain our eyes to focus on the glimpses of hope that you're bringing? Would you retrain our thoughts Would you retrain the the filter that we run things through, that we start to see glimpses of hope in every situation? And Lord, I just pray for faith for each one of us to keep going in the direction that you've called us in, to keep pursuing you, God, to keep going, to finish the race and not look behind. And so, Lord, would you just keep our eyes focused on the prize? Keep us focused on each little piece of hope that you're bringing, Lord. And would we just have the faith to follow in that and trust you in that? Even right now, come Holy Spirit. Come Holy Spirit. Come Holy Spirit. glimpses of hope in this room. Let hope arise. Let hope arise. Yeah, I just, can, I just invite you to just keep praying. Just really feel strongly that there's, there's some people in this room that you've looked to everything else in life to try to find hope, maybe money, maybe uh, relationships, maybe job performance, to have a boss just 
tell you you're doing amazing, like put your hope in that and even losing jobs sometimes. It's like, man, I just feel so hopeless. So I just, I just want to invite you today that, that the only hope that you've ever needed, the main hope, the source of hope is Jesus Christ. And he wants to be your hope forevermore. Not just in this moment, not just on Sunday morning, but your hope on Monday morning through next Sunday for the rest of your life that Jesus wants to be your hope. And it's as simple as just saying, Jesus, I just trust you. I put my life in your hands. I step away from this life that I'm living and all the, all the garbage that I'm filling myself with and I step into your promises. Would you be my hope, Jesus? I just invite you this morning, if that's you, to just surrender your life. Just give them your life one time. Just give them your life this one time to, to take a step and just say, Jesus, would you be my hope? Would you be my hope? Jesus, come into my heart and would you fill me with your love? Be my hope. Amen. Amen. We're going to close out with a song. And I just invite you to just stand up. Let's just sing. Let's just sing to our, our, our Lord and our Savior, Jesus Christ, that he loves us so much. He's always our hope. And he is our hope in this situation right now.